Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Before we get started with the show today, I want to send a special thank you out to Melissa J. Kolstad for her generous donation of $40. Uh, Thank you very much, Melissa. If you would like to get a shout out on The Messy Studio, uh, make sure to go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. You can set up a recurring monthly donation or a single time donation for literally any amount. But for listeners who donate above $10 a month or above $30 for a single time donation, we will be thanking you directly on the show. On today's show, we are talking about our studios, our sanctuaries. There are few things that artists are more passionate or opinionated about than their personal workspaces. Uh, In past episodes, we've touched on many aspects of individual studio environments, including the kinds of sounds that artists prefer as they work, which was episode 95. Today, we're going to further explore what makes studio spaces so unique and so special to those who work in them. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. This uh, topic about studios has been on my mind for a couple of reasons, and one of them is that uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start construction on my new studio here in New Mexico. We're, we're recording this as I am in Dixon, New Mexico, and Ross is back in snowy Wisconsin. Poor Ross. <laughs> so we're doing this over the phone. And this studio is really exciting to me, and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what I what I need with it and what it's going to mean to me here to have a nice space. I've been working in quite a small and cramped environment here. And the other reason it's been on my mind is that a couple of weeks ago, when we first got here to New Mexico, this area, Dixon, New Mexico, held a studio tour. And it wasn't something I participated in as an artist, but I went around and I, I visited people on the tour during the time. And I went in and out of so many different studios and it was it was really interesting to see the variety. Some were kind of small and dark, like the one I work in here, and others that were, you know, beautiful and spacious and filled with light. Sometimes they were just a room in somebody's house, and sometimes they were a separate building. And some incorporated outdoor environments, which is the temp- the climate here is fairly temperate, so that that could happen. And some of them, like we went into a clay studio that was full of kilns and, you know, the special equipment that some artists need and struck me uh, how complicated that was compared to just if you're just painting or drawing. So, all that to say that uh, I've been thinking about studios and I know that how important they are to artists. So, it seemed like a pretty good topic. Yeah, it's... um it's different with different art styles um, because there's different pieces of equipment and there's also uh, there's a different kind of mindset as you move through different workspaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of things that need to be incorporated into designing a studio space. And it's a very individual thing. Um, and uh, and so it's, it's easy to give kind of generic advice, but it's hard to actually help somebody go through that process it's something it's like it's like designing somebody's bedroom or something right that's really true and later in the podcast we're going to go into some of the practical things to think about and kind of cover the range of considerations if you are um in the place where you're setting one up or maybe making some changes in your studio 
Uh, I think I'd like to start out with uh, kind of the more emotional side of it or um, what they mean to us. What And what does your studio mean to you? Because like you said in the introduction, artists are pretty passionate about this. And um, it is such a uh, place where we are so ourselves and so connected to what we do that it has this other dimension. And I think, you know, any personal space does, but studio spaces are unique uh, in that we're definitely there to create and to focus and do a specific activity for the most part. So they have this dimension that is kind of, um, you feel it in your gut somehow, if it's right or if it isn't right. And um, I, I'm going to just talk a little bit about something I did for myself a while ago that was a personal kind of meditation. And I was thinking about this uh, this whole aspect of studios and, and how they can energize us creatively. And what I did was I imagined what to me was a perfect studio. Now, this is not the studio I have in Wisconsin. It's not the studio I'm building here, but it's a mindset studio. It's like a, a place where everything is perfect. And I'm just going to kind of describe that picture in my mind because uh, it it kind of speaks to what a studio means to me. So in my mind, in this perfect studio, it is all contained in one building and it's a separate building. It's somewhere I would go to. And in my mind, I'm walking to the studio uh, through kind of a garden or a, a rather beautiful environment. And the first room that I enter in this building is actually a library or a sitting room. And the walls are floor to ceiling bookshelves that contain art books of every kind. And they also contain every sketchbook I ever drew in and my notes and journals and things like that. And it's a, it's a cozy kind of small room. Uh, there's a fireplace, there's a, a coffee machine. And it's just and the furniture is very comfortable to sit in. And I think what this little room, entryway room, means to me is that this is the place I come from inside of my thoughts, of my influences, uh, things in my past, things I've made notes about. And it kind of represents the mindset I like to have, I think, as I enter my work. And then in this little meditation from that room, I go into a, a very different room, a large studio workspace, and it is light-filled. There are windows, there are overhead lights. There are cabinets along one wall that contain every art supply imaginable. <laughs> it's like, you know, walking into a Dick Blick store or something. And in the center of the room, there are different tables. There's a... Uh, printing press because I like to make prints. There are drying racks for works on paper. There are flat files. And basically, this room, in my mind, is set up with every imaginable resource for the actual making of art. And so, I never have to stop and pause and say, do I have this or that? Do I have this color? Do I have this tool? It's all there. And so, this is my, my fantasy studio. And I find that this, imagining this for myself, helps put me in, in a mood where if I'm a little stuck or a little unmotivated, 
about going to work in my actual studio, sometimes just dreaming like this a little bit gives me that spark, gives me that energy to to go into my own studio and make art. And I just offer this up as a suggestion that, um, you know, you might want to devise your own fantasy studio because it does have this interesting effect on your energy and creativity. And for me, it in no way makes my actual real studio um, any less desirable because what the fantasy studio is, is it is a mindset you know, it is a place in my mind where everything is available. And I think that's what it does for me. Yeah, I, I think that fantasy plays a, an interesting role in our kind of creative endeavors. Um, and it, it, it helps to have uh, an a vision of the future, um, an idealized version of, of what you want. Um, you know, even if you know that that's not what you're going to have. Um, you know, rationally speaking, um, it helps to to be able to to have that 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 vision of mm-hmm. of what is possible. I think it represents potential. If you can yeah. fantasize and imagine, it's what the potential is. And and like I said too, it's not even about the material uh, materiality of this place that I imagine or the the physicality of it. It doesn't exist. And I don't expect it ever will. And that's just fine. I don't I don't need it to exist. It's it is uh it's a mindset. And I what when I think about this imaginary studio, the feeling I get is very um energized and I have this kind of ah feeling like ah that's what I need. And what I think my what I want in any studio, in my real studio included, and what I have in my real studio is that ah feeling when I walk in. It's here I am, I'm ready to work, and this is my space. And maybe that moment of just that feeling is what you're after in any studio, in your your actual non-imaginary studio. And so we're going to talk a little bit about you know how to get there if you're not there with that, um, but it it is a it's it's a it's a state of mind. A studio right. is a state you, of mind. You, you <laughs> can start with your kind of fantasy version of of things and figure out what those elements are that are really essential in that. Mm-hmm. So you know you started with like this kind of grand library, and uh, maybe the essential elements of, of that are that you have a bookshelf and a coffee maker mm-hmm. and kind of a comfortable sitting area within your studio, and those are all things that are pretty easy to to incorporate into yeah. your studio design. Definitely, even if you can't have a, a whole room dedicated. <laughs> That. <laughs> right, and those those elements are present in my actual studio in in a very yet yeah, a more minimal way, um, and they are uh, symbols in the in the imaginary studio. But in real life, yeah, they are important. Um, and I think uh, we've we've mentioned in previous podcasts we've touched on different aspects of the studio, and one thing that you and I have brought up in the past is that. Uh, to make the most of what you have, that that waiting for this perfect studio or thinking that unless you have the perfect studio, you can't reach your potential as an artist, it can be a, a pitfall. And so at the same time, 
uh, we can dream and we can imagine and we can do what we can. At the same time, we need to not let what we have inhibit us. And this this comes home to me in various ways. One of the things is when I I do a number of artist residencies, you know, I go to other countries and I work there, I paint there, and typically the studios are not ideal. I mean, they, they can be very nice, but they don't have all the stuff, you know, that you have in your own studio, and they can be kind of small, or maybe you share them with somebody, or something it isn't, you know, they, they're definitely temporary situations, but I don't think anyone that goes on the residency sits around and complains about the studio. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're happy to be there and we're going to make the most of what is there. And that, again, it's a mindset of what can I do with what I have? And the other way that this hits home is that although I'm building a studio here now that will be much better in New Mexico, what I have been using for the last three winters now is about it's about 10 feet square of floor space. There's really no window. There's a little window that's open to the air with bars on it, by the way. And I, I cover this with a piece of insulation to keep, because I'm here in the winter, I need to keep it warm. So really this space has no natural light in it unless it's a warm day and I can open the door, which is nice. But typically, no, it's an enclosed space with a low, low ceiling with the only lighting is, you know, just some artificial lights overhead. It's very cramped. And I, I half the time I don't know where to put something when I'm done with it, you know. So yet, I mean, this is not ideal in any sense. But yet, um, I've worked in it, like I said, about three years now, three winters. And I've produced, mm, I think, two or three solo exhibits in that space, including some pretty big work. And I can, I have another place where I can view work on the, we have a sun porch here. And when I'm done with a painting, I can take it there and see it in better light. But I don't like to work on the sun porch because it's, I'm too messy, basically. <laughs> it's a really nice space and I don't want to get paint all over. So anyway, that's, that's been the reality for me. And yeah, it's a little hard, but I do get, I still get that awe feeling when I walk into it because there's my work, there's my paints, there's my tools, um, there's some sketchbooks and things. And so those really basic elements, they're there. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing you walking into a prison cell basically and going, <laughs> ah, I'm home. <laughs> well, there's some funny stories about how there was a latch on the outside of this door that a couple of times got stuck and I was literally locked in and I could well, not. What was this place before you got there? Are you sure it wasn't a prison cell? No, I'll tell you what it was. The guy that lived here before um, made, um, oh, what would you say, uh, liquor in there. It was his his uh, place where he made homemade alcohol. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when we first... <laughs> When we first um, looked at the property, the realtor opened the door and the whole place was full of bottles. <laughs> so they all disappeared. Uh, by the time we got ownership of the place, it was cleaned out. But that was his legacy. It's a place where alcohol was made. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's the story on that. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so, it wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't the house at Wisconsin also like a 
liquor production area in Apparently, Prohibition times? Apparently, yeah. During Prohibition, it was known as, I guess, what they call a speakeasy. Where, um, yeah. So, evidently, this is somehow part of my background. I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, these places just feel like home to you. So. <laughs> I transform them into creative painting spaces, however, so it is kind of a weird uh, thing. Anyway, and, and I don't know what it will, you know, I, I think when the new studio gets built, I'm going to use it for storage for, you know, putting bigger work in. Because the new studio ha- will have a lot of space, and yet I know myself, I know that at some point, you know, I'll fill it up and I'll want somewhere to put things I'm not really using. So (laughs) that's probably where this current studio is heading. Uh, The new studio is, uh, it's going to be like 16 feet wide by, I think it's 32 feet long. So, and have all along one side um, windows or sliding glass doors facing the south. So it'll have that solar gain and then putting um, some type of covering over the windows. So. Right. And also let in a lot of natural light. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, probably some kind of like gauzy curtains that'll diffuse the light, but let in the light. So it, it's, you know, it's super exciting. And it's going to be an adobe building, which is the local um, way of construction. And it's very, be very insulated because of that, a double wall adobe. So, right, it's very, very energy efficient. Yeah, and we're also getting solar panels for the house here, so the whole system will be uh, contained, uh, the energy system. So, so do you have any other, like, kind of more practical advice for people in terms of setting up a studio? I mean, it seems like there's a, there's been a lot of considerations that went into the, the design of this studio that you're building down, down there right now. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, a studio is whatever you say is a studio. So whether it's a hooch hut or whether it's something that you are designing and building, uh, if you call it a studio, it's a studio. And and another kind of story from the past was about an artist that came to an early workshop at my studio in Wisconsin. And he said uh, he was working in his basement and he kept saying, he kept saying, when I work in my basement or when I go down to the basement or whatever, and one of the other students in the class said, you know, maybe you should call it your studio instead of the basement. <laughs> and we all kind of laughed, but I think it did make a difference to to call it that. And so if you're working even in a room in your house, rather than calling it, say, the spare bedroom, Call it your studio. I mean, there's something about that mindset that is helpful, even if you're working in a pretty humble uh, or inefficient environment. So that's kind of the starting place, um, is the mindset that we've been talking about, is making the most of what what you have. Um, on the other hand, you know, we, we have these bigger ideas often for what we want, and we work towards them. And at some point, you may be in the position, or maybe you're in the position right now, of designing something, creating something, or moving into a different space. And so, yeah, there's there's some kind of practical things. I think we've been talking more about the sort of right brain and the creative aspect, but moving into the more concrete or practical aspects, things to consider. If you're making a change or um, changing what you have you know, if you're changing location or fixing up what you have. But location, as in any real estate, really is probably the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about a studio. Often people comment to me about 
the studio being in the house as opposed to not being in the house. And a lot of people do have studios right in their house, in the basement, in a spare room, because that's what's available. And that's perfectly understandable. It's also really convenient. I mean, that's something you can pop in and out of all the time. So that's a really good thing about it. You may find some challenges with, say, ventilation in a situation like that, depending on what your process is, because typically a separate building can be set up with, you know, some sort of uh, built-in ventilation. Uh, But otherwise, the challenge I see, and people mention this to me, is that it is it is always there and you you don't have the separation from it that can be really a help um even if you're only walking or commuting a very short distance to your studio let's say it's in your backyard or somewhere on your property that separation of leaving everything in your house behind the stuff you want to do uh, in the house, working on your computer, washing the dishes, whatever it is, you physically remove yourself from that. And that psychologically, that seems to be a good thing. So those are kind of the pros and cons of, I think, actually working in your house. I think for me, I do have an ideal situation in that I don't have to get in my car and make a commute either at home in Wisconsin or here in New Mexico, it is just a short walk because in both places, the studio is, you know, just like a one minute stroll from the back door, door, if that. So anyway, things to think about if you have the opportunity to move your studio out of the house um, to a place that you're going to drive to, really think about what what is actually going to work for that drive time? And it's tempting if you find something really appealing that's maybe half an hour away to think, oh, that's not so bad. I can do that. And yet I know of artists that have taken studios like that and find in the long run, it becomes an impediment in their minds to think, oh, do I really want to drive all that way to get to my studio? And that's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, really be honest about yourself and whether you're up for that. Think about, you know, in the evening after dinner, are you going to want to drive half an hour if that's the time that you have to work? So location considerations, they're they're really huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of us do uh, commute a, a half hour for work. Um, but when you're a self-employed individual, um, it can be easy to distract yourself with things that are not your work. Yes, <laughs> right. And yeah, I mean, it's it's easier to talk yourself out of going to your place of self-employment if if you have any any obstruction to going. I mean, because it's one of the you know, it's kind of a side topic, but one of the big things about self-employment is staying motivated and stay, keeping that energy going. So long commute could get in the way. Nobody's uh, keeping track of you. You're doing it on your own. So uh, another thing with with uh, with art to consider is how much you can actually, you can get actually a lot done in a short time. Uh, a lot of us have the experience of, you know, maybe we have half an hour and we just go into the studio and 
if it's convenient, if it's in our house or in our backyard or something, go to the studio over half an hour and just look or maybe do a little one thing on something and and walk away again. You know, that's a way to keep your hand in what you're doing, even if you only have little bits of time. And so another thing, you know, to really think about is how do you work? Do you need a long, long time to get into your work? In which case, a long commute might be all right. You're going to block out several hours anyway. Or do you get a lot out of just a short burst of time? And that's what you can have if it's closer to home. Yeah, I find that um, changing tasks um, a lot of times I'm, I'm able to read that that act of redirecting my focus allows me to um, have a more of a burst of energy and be able to accomplish more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to to work in sections of about three hours. Um, so I'll be working on something and then I as soon as I feel myself kind of getting bored or slowing down, I'll change and I'll go do something else for a little bit and then I'll come back to it. Um, and, it, and that's that's how I'm able to work 12 mm-hmm. plus hours a day um, without feeling exhausted at the end of it. Um, it's very difficult to do the same thing for that that amount of time. But when you're changing it up every three or four hours and going and doing something else and then going and doing another task, um, you're able to, to maintain that energy and that focus and, and accomplish a whole lot more. I find. Yeah, it's, it's true. And I think within a studio environment, that's possible because, you know, if you if you are going to work in long blocks of time in your studio, most of us have, well, we do have books and things and, and time when we're journaling or writing in the studio, we have panels to prepare, we have, um, you know, maybe cleaning, <laughs> other things that need to be done in a studio besides painting and or whatever it is you do and so yeah shifting back and forth you could fill a long block of time if if a commute is involved um but if the studio is closer and and what i find along the lines of what you're saying what i find myself doing throughout the workday is periodically coming back to the house um having a cup of coffee looking at the computer or whatever. I don't have Wi-Fi in either studio. And so that's a good thing in my opinion. But, you know, I come back in the house occasionally to check on things and oh, maybe pick up a book or do something, take a walk. And those are all things that can happen because the studio is right there. So there are ways to make either way absolutely work. Um, but it, I, I think... Giving some thought to your own personal habits is a good thing in the, under the topic of where is this studio going to be, ideally. Uh, another thing to really think about is the size that you need, as a, maybe as opposed to the size that you imagine or want. Um, if you're renting a studio, um, how, much, how much extra space is worth it to you uh, if you're paying for it? in terms of the, its size. A lot of times people start with a smaller studio that they're renting, say in a building of studios or something, and then they eventually move to a bigger space because they find the first one wasn't big enough. And it, it's kind of a matter of uh, figuring out maybe over time what it is that you need in terms of space. So I guess what I'm saying is bigger isn't always what you need or 
what is desired. Um, you can do a lot with a smaller space if you have financial considerations, or maybe that's only what's available. But one of the things to think about with a bigger space is, would you be possibly teaching in there? And I'm going to talk about the financial aspects a little bit more, but one of the things about teaching is that it's a way that the space can pay for itself. And so if you if you take a little bit of a leap and say, I'm going to make the space big enough to have some students in there, you know, that might be a, a very reasonable consideration. Other things with the size are, you know, how big is your work, obviously, or how big might your work be? Uh, where are you going to store it? Do you have room for that? Um, do you do more than one art activity? Like, do you also do printmaking along with painting or something where you might need a separate area for that within your studio space. Um, right. Or additional equipment. Right. Right. And um, if you're, if you're going to build something and you need to start smaller, maybe your space isn't very big. Maybe you're going to put this in your backyard and you don't really have a lot of space back there. Can you think of, Maybe a plan B if if eventually you're going to need more space. Is there room maybe for a second story that you could add on to that building? Or is there some way to expand it in the future? So it's good to it's good to think big down the you know, down the road. What might you need that you're not able to take on at the moment and kind of plan for that. And I just was kind of mentioning about my old studio here, and I'm thinking, well, eventually that's probably going to be storage, so that kind of thing. And maybe there's a room in your house that you could use for storage of things you're not actually using. Uh, that's not part of your studio. Uh, I, I mentioned that I was going to talk more about the, the cost or the finances. Obviously, it's related to size. Um, but I, one of the things to think about is... Is there are there ways that the studio it's, can pay for itself? I mentioned teaching, and that's one a lot of people use. So maybe they're either renting or building, and they're thinking over time, um, how many workshops would I need to hold in the studio uh, to cover the cost? And a lot of people I know that rent studios in, say, a building, a warehouse building or something, just figure, well, they're going to teach one short workshop a month. That's just to cover their rent and utilities. And that's really practical if you if you're at a point for teaching, you know, if you're ready for that and if you think that would work, that's a really good strategy, I think. Um also some of these places that are available in say an old warehouse or factory hold open studios. Um there I think you need to be realistic as to whether that's going to provide enough income uh, to cover rent, it may or may not. It depends so much on your area, you know, what kind of traffic comes through there, whether you'd be able to sell from your own studio directly. And if if so, then that's great and, and it can really be helpful. Um, um, then you also have to deal with customers coming in and out and window shopping and that's true. being pulled away from your, your work constantly as well. Yeah, true enough. I think most of these open studio things are a specific time but yeah that i mean you can also just say my studio is open for business and and then it's like you say yeah you you have to be okay with people sort of dropping in if you do that 
uh, you can also think maybe about if you don't want to teach or you're not ready to teach, maybe you can rent your space for others to teach in. And as a workshop instructor, I know that over time, and when, especially when I was first starting out, I would often rent other people's studios to teach in. It, it was a little tricky, like getting stuff out of the way that they would normally have set up. But the people that were doing this were, they did it on a regular basis, and they were kind of prepared to move things around and make space. And it helped them, helped me, helped the students. You know, that was a pretty good arrangement too, something to think about. So I just kind of like the idea of the studio itself paying for itself so that it is not an added extra financial burden on you um, to to, ha to rent it or build it. Um, so another thing to consider going forward with your studio is the actual equipment, things you're going to put in there. Um, and I've kind of touched on this a little bit already in my fantasy studio, the kind of things that I had there, tables, uh, printing press. If you're, if you do specialized, if you do art that requires specialized equipment, you have another whole thing to deal with, don't you? <laughs> I mean, Ross, you've worked in clay, and you know what that's and what involves uh, there. Um, it's quite a bit of equipment and expensive equipment. It also necessitates things like running water. Ah, and that's a big one. Yeah, I was going to mention when when um, looking at your space, do you actually need plumbing? <laughs> uh, if you're renting something in a building, you no doubt have a sink. You probably have running water. You have a toilet down the hall, whatever. If you're building something, say, on your property, do you actually need running water? And right. my and most types of art, in, including ceramics, can be done without running water. Yes, um, you know you can be, but then you're hauling water or you're running a hose or something into your workspace, well, uh, and you're getting around this fact that you don't have plumbing. Right, and in in my workshop in Wisconsin and the one that we're planning in New Mexico here, and my little cell, there is running water in none of these, and. Um, I have never found it to be a problem, mostly because in my work, I don't use water. I don't use that much water-based media. Occasionally I do, but then I just bring some in. I have drinking water that I bring in, in a jug, and that's fine. And in my case, it's very easy to go back to the house if I need the toilet or whatever. So, though, you know, really think about that because some people just automatically think, oh, you have to have a sink, you have to have running water. Uh, I clean my hands with a waterless cleaner in the studio, wipe them off with a rag. And then when I come back to the house, I use the sink to and soap to finish cleaning them. So, you know, it's really very possible, depending on your art medium, to do without the running water. And that will really save on cost when building if you're not running a water line um, to your studio. So that's part of the equipment, definitely a sink. Do you need a sink? Do you need a toilet there? Um on other types of equipment, you know, do you need uh, what? What do you need for storage? People that work on panels um, and, and canvases and things typically store them upright in some type of vertical rack, and this can be built in really easily in a studio. And that's probably the most practical way. I've seen them lined with something like uh, old carpet scraps, and that's really great. So you don't bumping uh, the edge when you put take it in and out it's kind of a smooth 
uh, sliding it in and out of the rack. Um, you can put a label on the on the end of the piece that tells you what it is, so you don't always have to be pulling it in and out. There's all kinds of interesting and fun ways to set up storage, and that's kind of a creative. Um, you know, you can get involved in uh, looking at pictures of what other people do and things like that and making the most of your space. I know in our book, Jerry talks about his storage, uh, which I'm planning to do here in New Mexico as well, which is buying from a, a Home Depot type place, these metal racks that come up to counter height. Uh, typically, they're stacked, I guess. But if you just use one unit, it's about the right height to work on. And you just put a board over the top. And so underneath you have some shelving and you can line those up against a wall. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to plan. That's kind of the stage I'm in right now with this new studio of how, what's the most efficient way to store things and have your supplies on hand. And um, I know eventually mine is going to become chaotic and messy, but in my mind right now, it's very organized. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we're kind of um, getting to the end of our podcast here, but I just want to quickly mention a few other considerations, which would be uh, lighting is a big one in a studio, um, natural light versus artificial light. There's lots of information out there about, um, I personally use um, color corrected bulbs and other utilities consideration. We mentioned water, Wi-Fi. Do you want to have Wi-Fi in your studio? Is it a distraction or a help? Um, and heating, of course, how are you going to heat it? Uh, solar. If you have the ability to use a wood stove, that's okay. That I, I do that. Um, or how are you going to pay for your other types of utilities? Access, parking, moving things in and out. These are all things to think about. Tax considerations, I just want to mention one thing that I've learned here in New Mexico is that I cannot write off the tax, the, the things I'm doing in planning or constructing the studio. Once the studio is built, that's when the tax considerations kick in, the write-off. So you're keeping all receipts and everything, and then they can be claimed. And so that's about it for the practical stuff. Um, I guess just to kind of wrap it up, uh, that a studio that really works for you is absolutely key for your productivity and your ease and comfort and desire to be there. Um, so, you know, have those ideals and aim for them, but also uh, try not to be limited by your current situation. You can make art just about anywhere. All right. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>